Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim In the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful The Islamic Propagation Office at Rabwa www.islamhouse.com Is pleased to present to you this lecture Amalakum Wa yaqillakum dunubakum Wa mayuqi'illaha wa rasoolahu Faqad faja fazan azima amma ba'd فإن أصدق الحديث كلام الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها فإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار وإنما توعدون لآت وما أنتم بمعجزين Praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he's the only one worthy of praise. I seek his help, his guidance, and his forgiveness. I believe in him and I trust in him. I seek refuge in Almighty Allah from the evil of our passions. Indeed, whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides him to Islam, no one can mislead him after Allah. And whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but he must say, no one can guide him after Allah. I testify openly that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah Rabbil Alameen. And I testify that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger and the seal of all the prophets. O Muslims, you must know that the best speech is the speech of Almighty Allah, which is the Qur'an. The best guidance is the course of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which is his sunnah. The worst of all affairs is innovation and addition to the religion of Islam. Indeed, every addition to the religion of Islam will lead to hellfire. I adjure you as well as myself to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the best of your ability, fear Allah and don't die unless you are Muslim. After this, I greet you all with the greeting of Islam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. With the peace and the blessing of Almighty Allah be with you all. I'd like to welcome you all for continuation of our series concerning Sharh Riyad al-Talihin, explanation of the book, Garden of the Righteousness. The book is by Imam al-Nawawi, rahmatullahi alayhi, and the explanation is by Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al-Usaymin, may Allah shower his soul with his mercy. The rough, rough translation by the slave servant of Allah, Muhammad Sayyid Ali, to the best of my ability, insha'Allah, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us all for our shortcoming. As for today, it's going to be continuation of chapter 193. Those who have Riyad al-Salihin, Arabic and English version, which published by Dar es Salaam Publications, 
may look to volume number 2, page number 852, hadith number 1076. عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أمرت أن أقاتل الناس حتى يشهدوا أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمدا رسول الله ويقيم الصلاة ويؤتي الزكاة فإذا فعلوا ذلك عصموا مني دماءهم وأموالهم إلا بحق الإسلام وحسابهم على الله Should the meaning is Narrated Ibn Umar May Allah be pleased with him Allah's Messenger وسلم, said I have been commanded to fight against people till they testify that la ilaha illallah, none has the right to be worshipped but Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave and messenger, and to establish salah, iqamat as-salah, and to pay zakah, and if they do this, then their blood and property are sacred, subject to their obligations under the law of Islam. But the responsibility to taking them to task is with Allah. This hadith narrated in the collection of Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim rahmatullahi alayhima. As for the explanation by Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen rahmatullahi alayhi, stated that Imam al-Nawawi rahmatullahi alayhi, in his book Garden of the Righteousness, under the chapter of Guarding the Prayer, The hadith is started by saying umirtu, which means I been commanded. And the one who had commanded the Prophet ﷺ is Allah. What is the command is? is to fight against people in general. Until they testify to the oneness of Almighty Allah and the finality of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and establish the prayer and pay the obligatory charity. So the one who had command the Prophet to fight them is the one who created them. And the Creator has the right to dispose and handle his kingdom in whatever manner he fits or he sees Allah has the right to issue the order of fighting and he has the right also
to make peace with others. When the people testify to the oneness of Allah, now their blood will be sacred. But keeping in this the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which Allah is saying, قَاتِلُوا الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَلَا يُحَرِّمُونَ مَا حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ وَلَا يَدِينُونَ دِينَ الْحَقِّ مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ حَتَّى يُعْطُوا الْجِزْيَةَ عَنْ يَدٍ وَهُمْ صَاغِرُونَ Allah the Almighty is saying what the meaning is fight those who did not believe in Allah and the day of a judgment neither they forbid what Allah and his messenger had forbid. Neither they believe in the true religion, with exception of the people of the book. If they give the jizya with a state of humiliation. Also keep in mind the hadith of Buraidah ibn Tufayl, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam كان إذا أمر أميرا على جيش أو سرية أوصاه بتقوى الله عز وجل وذكر الحديث وفيه أنهم إذا أرادوا الجزية فاقبلها وقف عنهم That when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he appointed a leader over a army or expedition he will give him the advice and said to him, Fear Allah. And if the people wish to pay the jizya, the tax, to receive it, accept it from them and don't fight, fight them. So both in this hadith and the previous Ayah, verse from the Quran and the other hadith, we come with the conclusion that we have to fight against the kuffar for one of the two goals. Number one is for them to accept Al-Islam. If they refuse, now the demand of being jizya, that while they are in a state of humiliation. But if they refuse this and the other, that means they are not willing to be Muslim. Neither are they willing to pay tax to the Muslim government and the Islamic State. Now fighting against them became mandatory. And this fighting is by the command of Allah. He is the Lord and the King of the Kafirin. It's not a matter of a Muslim out of their love for their deen, which is nothing wrong to love the deen, because this is the deen of Allah, but because the deen of Islam is the only true religion. And any other ideology or any deen 
is not accepted. It's been abrogated. Allah doesn't accept it. As Allah stated, وَمَنْ يَبْتَغِ غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينَ فَلَنْ يُقْبَلَ مِنْهِ That whosoever accepts any other way to Allah different from Al-Islam is not going to be accepted from him. So uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he say, fight him until they believe that there is no deity worthy of worship except to Allah and that Muhammad ﷺ is the messenger of Allah and they will establish the five time prayer and they give the obligatory zakah. If they do so, فَإِذَا فَعَلُوا ذَلِكَ عَصَمُوا مِنِّي دِمَاءَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ If the people, the mass of the people in general, adhere to this, now their blood and their property is secret. And this is the evidence that if the Muslims fight against the Kuffar, their property became lawful for the Muslims, as well as their blood, as well as their, as well as their women and their children became captive and enslaved. We became right hand with this for the Muslims. That because we take them by the command of Allah, and according, if they do so, now their blood and their property is lawful. It is secret. It's saved. It's respected. It's honored. And whatever they do after this, as violation for Al-Islam, or the teaching of Al-Islam, if it deserves for them to be fight, that you will be fight against them, even if they claim to be Muslim. And this is what happened with Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, radiallahu anhu. He fought against the people who refused to pay the zakah after the death of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi the Sahaba disputed this matter with Abu Bakr as well as Umar. But he insists to fight those Muslims who refuse to give the cash. And he said, Wallahi, لو منعوني عناقا أي ماعدا صغيرا وفي رواية عقالا وهي ما تربط به البعير كانوا يؤدونه لرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لقاتلتهم على ذلك that Abu Bakr he took a very stiff and strong position and he said by Allah if those people who claim to be Muslim but they stop him to give zakah if they refuse to give a small boat or even a rope that they used to use to tie a camel with, which he used to give this in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, I will fight them. Doesn't matter how small it is. 
if they used to do it during the Prophet ﷺ life, now they're going to stop, even if it's something minor, I will make a war against them. Umar said, فَلَمَّا رَأَيْتُ أَنَّ اللَّهَ شَرَحَ صَدْرَ صَدْرَ أَبِي بَكْرٍ لِلْقُتَالِ عَلِمْتُ أَنَّهُ الْحَقِّ When I saw the firmness and the steadfastness and the expansion of Abu Bakr's Siddiq heart and he don't want to change his mind about fighting those people right away I understood that he is standing on the truth and this shows us the importance of the Salah and that the people will be that the Islamic State will fight against the people who start to make the Salah or the people who start to give the Zakat. The next hadith, which is hadith 1077, and Muadin, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ila al-Yaman, إنك تأتي قوما من أهل الكتاب فادعوهم إلى شهادة أن لا إله إلا الله وأني رسول الله فإن أطاعوا لذلك فأعلمهم أن الله تعالى افترض عليهم خمس صلوات في كل يوم وليلة فإنهم أطاعوك لذلك فأعلمهم أن الله تعالى افترض عليهم صدقة يؤخذ من أغنيائهم فترد على فقرائهم فإن فإنهم أطاعوك لذلك فإياك وكرائم أموالهم واتق دعوة المظلوم فإنه ليس بينها وبين الله حجاب متفق عليه Which is the meaning A? Mu'ad, may Allah be pleased with him. Said, Allah's Messenger وسلم, sent me as a governor to Yemen. At the time of my departure, instructed me that you will soon be with some people from among the people of prescription, scription, i.e. Jewish and Christian. First of all, invite them to testify that La ilaha illallah. None has the right to be worshipped but Allah. And that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave and his messenger. If they accept this, then tell them that Allah has enjoyed upon them five salah prayers during the day and the night. And if they accept, if they accept, then tell them that Allah has made the payment of the cat obligatory upon them. It should be collected from the rich ones 
and distribute it among their poor. And if they agree to, to do it, don't pick up as a share of the cash the best of their properties. Beware of the supplications of the oppressed, for there is no barrier between him and Allah. وَبُخَارِ أَمُسْلِمْ رَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِمَا The explanation by Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen رَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ Imam al-Nawawi رَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ in his book Riyadh al-Talihin Garden of the Righteousness mentions this hadith hadith Ibn Abbas and also this hadith by Mu'ad that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam send him as his representative to Al-Yaman. And this is the south of Saudi Arabia nowadays. The Prophet ﷺ sent him in the 10th year after migration, in the month of Rabi'ah. When Mu'ad about to leave, the Prophet ﷺ gave him advice, and he told him that he will be approaching the people of the book. That because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had revealed to those people the book at Torah and the book al Injil, for the Jewish, Allah had sent the Torah. And to the Christian, Allah sent the Injil. And the Prophet ﷺ informed Mu'az with this, so he will be prepared and ready. That because the people of the book, in that time, they were the most knowledgeable people concerning the laws of Allah. And this shows us the importance of the da'iyah. When he goes to Talk to people about Islam. To know something about their background. So if you prepare for arguing with them or debating with them. And he kept on that let be the first invitation. And the first command is for them to accept and testify to the oneness of Allah. And the finality of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the key of Islam. This does not mean the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi is the only Prophet. As we understand that there is many Prophets came before the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Like Musa, Hud, Isa and others. But the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being the final and the last prophet. And his sharia and his law and his book is the last and the final, which abrogated and erased the impact and the effect and the solidarity of the other books and the other revelations. So there is no prophet after the prophet ﷺ. And there is no sharia or a law after the sharia of the prophet Muhammad ﷺ. Now the Prophet told him to Mu'ad, if they accepted it, if they agree, inform them 
about the obligation of the five-time prayer. And if they agree to this, now inform them about the Zakah. And the Zakah will be taken from their property. To be taken among the rich ones. Because those are the people who have the money. Those are the people who are obligated. Especially if they have the Nisar. And they have it, so they're rich, they have enough money, saved money. Now they are obligated to give the zakah. And there is other people who deserve the zakah. So you're going to be taking it from those who have it, and you give it to those who don't have it. So the Prophet ﷺ is telling Mu'az, if the people agree to this Zakah issue, so now watch and be aware. Don't be selective. Don't take the best of their camels or the best of their property and leave the one. Okay? This is not fair. So don't take the worst, neither take what? The best. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he also gave Mu'ad a very important advice. He told him, وَاتَّقِ دَعْوَةَ الْمَظْلُومِ Be aware. From the publication of the oppressed one. Because you Mu'ad, if he selected the best of their property, you have committed zulm, injustice to those people. And maybe they will make dua against you. They will take, make supplication against you. And this is serious, it's danger for you, Mu'ad. Why? Because the supplication, the dua of the madloom, of the oppressed person, has no veil. It will reach Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guarantee to answer the supplication of the supplicant who is oppressed soon or later. And this is the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most fair one. And among his justice, part of his justice, that he will take from the oppressed, the oppressed one, the right from the one who oppressed him. Next hadith which 1078 which reported by Jabir may Allah be pleased with him saying سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إن بين الرجل وبين الشرك والكفر فرق الصلاة 
Muhyiddin Cebir, may Allah be pleased with him, Allah is the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa between iman and disbelief, or paganism, is the abandonment of salah, prayer. This hadith in the collection of al-imam Muslim, rahmatullahi alayhi. The explanation by Sheikh Ibn Uthameen, rahmatullahi alayhi. This hadith is warning about neglecting the prayer or abandoning the prayer. And this hadith shows us that the person who abandoned the prayer is a kafir. And this is not a minor kufr. This kind of kufr take him out of the fold of Islam. The one who doesn't pray, his worth is than a Jew or a Christian. As we understand, if the Jews slaughter their animal, it's lawful for us to eat it. The same thing for the Christian. But this one who claimed to be a Muslim, but he abandoned the prayer, if he slaughtered an animal, we could not eat from his zabiha. It's forbidden. A woman who abandoned his pray her prayer, is not lawful for a Muslim man to marry her. If she's a Christian, it's permissible for the Muslim to marry her. And if she, a Jew, it is lawful and permissible for a Muslim to marry her. A person who abandoned the prayer is not going to be left alone. If there is the Islamic government or Islamic state, you will tell him, Pray, or otherwise we going to execute you. We're going to kill you. As for the Christian or a Jew, if he's under the supervision and the authority, the Christian or the Jew who under the supervision and you have a treaty with the Islamic State, we keep him according his religion and according his belief. We did not ask him to change his belief. And this shows you how serious it is to abandon the prayer. And this shows you that a person who abandons the prayer is worse than a Jew or a Christian. Subhanallah, nowadays we see how many people, they don't care about their salah. We have to understand, if a person neglecting the prayer, and we perform a wedding for this person, 
this wedding is not acceptable, is not valid. And if he sleeps with this woman, he will be actually committing adultery, not according marriage. The same thing will apply if a person a Muslim and making salah. And later on, after marriage, he stopped making salah. So this marriage is not valid anymore. In addition to this, that means we have to separate between him and his wife. In addition to this, this man, if he dies, one is abandoning the prayer, or this woman, we are not supposed, as a Muslim community, we are not obligated, neither we supposed to wash them, or shroud them, or to pray janazah on them, neither we supposed to bury them among the Muslims, neither we supposed to ask forgiveness for them or a mercy. Neither he will receive the intercession of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the day of judgment. So what we're supposed to do with the body of a person who abandoned his prayer when he died? Should we leave him for the dog to eat his flesh and sit and watch? Which is going to disturb his relatives? No, we take him and go out in the desert and dig a hole, not even a grave, a hole, and dump him in this hole with no washing, no shrouding, no salah, no honor for such a person. If it is not disturbing for his relatives, we will say, leave it for the dog to eat him up. But we throw him in a hole so his body, when it thinks, it doesn't disturb the living people. From that we understand how serious it is to abandon the prayer. And that a person, if he know that the person who had died, he was not making salah, he's not supposed to take him to the graveyard of the Muslim. Neither he's supposed to take him to the mosque or ask the people to pray on him. And if he did so, he had disturbed and annoyed the Muslims who did not know about him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying in Quran, وَلَا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ أَبَدًا وَلَا تَقُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ إِنَّهُمْ كَفَرُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَمَاتُوا وَهُمْ فَاتِقُونَ Which is the meaning is, don't pray on any of them when he dies. Neither stand on his grave, because they disbelieve in Allah and his messenger, and they, they die in a state of pursuit. 
sin and disobedience. The one who doesn't pray, he disbeliever. He disbelieved in Allah and His Messenger. Even if he say, I believe that Allah exists. Even if he say, I believe that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah. This is not enough. Because the hypocrites, they say the same thing as it came in the Quran. إِذَا جَاءَكَ الْمُنَافِقُونَ قَالُوا نَشْهَدُ إِنَّكَ لَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ إِنَّكَ لَرَسُولُهُ وَاللَّهُ يَشْهَدُ إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ لَكَاذِبُونَ Allah stated in the Quran, when the hypocrites come to you, Muhammad, and they say, we testify that you are the messenger of Allah. Allah knows that you are his messenger. And Allah is witness that the munafiqeen are a liar. In addition to this, you have to understand something. If you have a relative who died, and he was abandoning the prayer, it's not lawful for you to take part of the inheritance of this person. This is the opinion of the majority of the scholars. Because this kind of mirat, this kind of inheritance, is not inheritance of a Muslim. Same way, if, he, if you have a disbeliever who is a kafir, never took shahada, and he die, you are not supposed to inherit from him. That because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came, لَا يَرِثُ الْمُسْلِمِ الْكَافِرِ وَلَا الْكَافِرِ الْمُسْلِمِ That is not supposed for a Muslim to inherit a kafir. Neither a kafir share property from a Muslim when he died. This what he had came in the Quran. In the authentic sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the concise agreement of the Sahaba. As been narrated from Abdullah ibn Shaqiq, or Shaqiq ibn Abdullah. That he said, كان أصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يرون شيئا من الأعمال تركه كفرا إلا الصلاة. The Prophet companion, may Allah be pleased with them, they didn't observe or guard anything out of the deed to be a kuf except abandoning the prayer. Imam al-Nawawi rahmatullahi alayhi said about Abdullah ibn Shaqiq that there is agreement concerning his authenticity of the knowledge, and he's a just person, and he knows what he's talking about. From our prison scholar, Sheikh Ibn Mad, rahmatullahi alayhi, he said, 
a person who abandoned the prayer is a kafir major kuf put him out of Islam and that he murtad of state from the deen of Islam and I'm so sorry you see a lot of people nowadays they don't care too much about their prayer we beg Allah to guide us and them to the big action and deed the next hadith hadith number one zero eighty one عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن أول ما يحاسب به العبد يوم القيامة من عمله صلاته فإن صلحت فقد أفلح وأنجح وإن فسدت فقد خاب وخسر فإن انتقص من فريضته شيئا قال الرب عز وجل انظروا هل لعبد من تطوع فيكمل به فيكمل منها من تقص من الفريضة فيكمل فيكمل منها من تقص من الفريضة ثم ثم يكون سائر أعماله على هذا رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن مريكة أبو هريرة من الله بإبليس وذهم الله المسنجر صلى الله عليه وسلم stated the first of his deeds for which iman will be called to account on the day of resurrection will be the salah the prayer if it is found to be perfect he will be safe and successful but if it is defective he will be unfortunate and a loser if any shortcoming is found in the obligatory prayer the glorious and exalted Lord will command to see whether his slave has offered any voluntarily prayer so that the defectiveness in the obligatory prayer may be made up by then the rest of his action will be treated in the same manner this hadith in the collection of Imam At-Tirmidhi rahmatullahu alayhi Now the explanation by Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al-Usaymin rahmatullahi alayhi This hadith 
which is been reported concerning the virtues of the prayer and the serious warning of neglecting the prayer which the Prophet ﷺ telling us about the very things that the slave servant of Allah will be taken in account in the day of judgment and this relates to the rights of Allah Because there is the right of Allah upon us, and there is the right of mankind upon us. So if your prayer was good, perfect, you'll be successful if you're fortunate, otherwise you'll be a loser. We ask Allah's protection that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us to be among the losers. As for the rights of the human being, The first thing it will be taken in account is the blood. That because this is one of the most sensible, sensible and very important issue is the blood. That means we were killing each other. And after this the rest of the deed of or the rights of the human being will be judged. As a number that Allah will ask the person, why you did you kill so and so? For what reason? So this is the first thing that Allah will ask about the rights of the human being. As for the rights of Allah, the first thing that you want to be accountable to it is the salah. Out of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy, that if there is a defect in the obligatory prayer, Allah will ask the angel, check this man, see if he has any volunteer prayer. And if there is, now it will be taken, he means to patch and to fix the obligatory prayer. <laughs> and this out of Allah's mercy and blessing. And alhamdulillah that Allah has legislated. The nawafil and the And the optional prayer, so we can have something stand by in case we have a problem. Regardless if optional prayer before the prayer or after the prayer. After the prayer, the obligatory prayer or before. And we don't know a human being that his salah is a hundred percent perfect. Everybody will have some kind of deficiency in his prayer or her prayer. 
So it will be taken out of the option. As example, it is recommended that you pray before Zohar. Four rak'at. Two before and two after. This is four rak'at. Also al-asr. It is recommended that you pray two rak'at before. And the Maghrib, and in general the Prophet said, pray optional prayer between every two adhan, i.e. adhan and iqama. Also the Duha, and the Turqat before the morning prayer, the water. All these things is very important, and we should try to make nafila optional prayer as much as possible, so in the day of the judgment, insha'Allah, that we have something that we can utilize when our prayer is checked and brought to account. In conclusion, we ask Allah that He brings you benefit through this lecture. For more information, you may contact us through the following address. The Islamic Propagation Office, Rabwa. P.O. Box 29457 Saudi Arabia Phone 445-4900 Also 491-6065 Fax 497-0126 Feel free to visit our website at www.islamhouse.com Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh